Welcome back to another episode of The Takedown. As always, brought to you by Foam Soap. Go to foamsoap.com, use the code TAKEDOWN, you get 20% off your order. Also, check the link in our bio. We have Kaloa Surf uh, gear. <laughs> Fuck, I've not done an intro in quite a while. We have Kaloa Surf gear, uh, Game Up CBD, Adidas. Adidas is a sponsor. That's fucking sick. Um, we have a lot of shit. Click the link in the bio. We also have new merch rolling out every day. Guys. You know that I scour Reddit and I I look to bring you guys like more off the wall guests than just like here's a fighter, here's a comedian, here's a fighter, here's a comedian. I found a Anne, sorry, I found an Anne erotic novelist uh by the name of Alexa Knight. She's joining me here today. What is up? Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing great tonight. We put this together literally an hour and a half ago. Yeah. <laughs> I love the internet. It's so cool. It really is bringing people together from all over the world. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I was just saying, I loved what like 50 shades of gray done to America. You know what I mean? Like, do you, do you remember when those movies or when those books first came out? Well, I do, you know, as a writer, um, I've seen the genre completely explode, you know, in good and bad ways, but because of that, but um, anything that gets people reading or titillated or excited about anything i think is great so i'm all for it i like that it made so many people uncomfortable that's what i like i like things that make people uncomfortable and i think that's why i gravitated so like so close to it because i say a lot of off the wall random shit on here that makes people uncomfortable but seeing the the way that people reacted to those movies i loved what it done to um like the audience Right. Because people you'd have people that were super judgy about it. And then you'd have some of the some of the people you'd least expect going to the movie theaters to watch it or or they were buying the book at like books a million. Um, What's it like? What's it been like for you, first off? Um, And your audience, I guess. (laughs) Sex sells. There's no about there's no um, there's no way about that. Um, People are always interested. One of the things that I've learned right off the bat uh, as an erotic writer is that the more taboo something is, uh, the more popular it is. So obviously with the Fifty Shades trilogy, anything with uh, BDSM is is huge right now. But um, I found that my audience completely shifted from what I intended it to be to what it actually is. Um, my book is not BDSM. I mean, there's a little, there's little bits and pieces of it because I'm a very, very sexual person and this is my true story. So, um, just to start. So, um, my name is Alexia Knight. I wrote a book called Tinderella Diary, which is completely a true story. Um, and I've, I'm turning that into a trilogy. So I just recently published the second book and I'm almost finished with the third book, which is going to be the final version of, of the trilogy that's going to come out later this year. But I originally wrote the book. I started on this real life journey and I was about a month into it. And I said, somebody would want to read this. Like, this is crazy. The people that I've met and the things that I've done that I never thought that I would do. 
And I originally, I envisioned that Fifty Shades market. I, I envisioned these, you know, lonely, lonely, horny housewives, you know, reading a book about sex and getting all turned on. And, and what I found is that my book isn't overwhelmingly being read by horny housewives. It's being read by horny husbands. So um, most of the people buying my book and reading my book have been men, which was very surprising to me. I didn't know that men were interested in erotica, but I do know that men are interested in sex. And I think that the appealing part of the book is the me as the narrator, as the, as the voice is an unapologetically sexual person. So I'm telling it like it is what I saw, what I did, what I like, what I don't like. I don't use very flowery language, a lot of strange metaphors. It's very frank and to the point. And it's also funny. Um, You know, sex with strangers is funny. Uh, It certainly can be. Um, It could also be super passionate. It could be super awkward. It could be uncomfortable. Um, So as I was living this life and, you know, meeting people on Tinder, I realized like there's a story here. So I just went with it. It's so crazy. You said a majority of the, the audience is like men. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I love chaos. (laughs) Like I, I used to fight in a cage. I have adrenaline fueled, uh, occupations. I love chaos. And I think that's why I like things like this is because I like seeing what it does to like a population or I like, like things that people generally view as like controversial. I like seeing like what those do to people and what we've seen with like 50 shades is we've seen um i this is so embarrassing who is the writer that wrote those those novels uh el el james el james yeah that's it um we've seen we've seen her kind of come out out front right she's like like first place or she's got the gold medal but you've seen so many other people like following suit and like buying into this market and that's what's so crazy it just absolutely blew up um did you i'm sorry did you just say a moment ago you started writing it and then you decided to write it as a book so originally this was just like a diary it it came from my diary so i started living this life and and then i you know i wrote i wrote about it in my diary and then after a month i'm like this this is something this this needs to be a book like the the character the people that i was meeting the things that i was doing Um, and the, I guess the taboo part or the things that that's the most shocking about my book is that I am a married woman and all of these things that I did were, and are still in secret. So the, the taboo in my particular books are, um, adultery. So I'm hiding this, I'm covering this up. Everybody wants to know if if I'm going to get caught or if I'm going to get a divorce or, you know, when the shit is finally going to hit the fan. Um, is this, um, it's, it's. It's just a sex book. It's a book about a girl having a, a ton of sex um, and spilling to her inner diary or you're like talking to a girlfriend kind of a thing. I do not mean to, um, I don't mean to interrupt you. Is it, <laughs> is it still a secret? Like it's. Yeah, it's still a secret. Wow. So my family and, you know, people have known that I'm writing a book because I talked about it. And then when I published it, all of a sudden I got very quiet and, you know, I don't want my family to read it. I don't want my parents to read it. I don't want my husband, my neighbors, my kids, my coworkers to read it. Uh, But I want the world to read. I want the story to be told. So 
for me, marketing has been pretty tricky because I couldn't use my existing uh, social media base to advertise. I had to build something up from from scratch. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a secret. Wow. It's it, it. I would say it's a double life, but it's almost a triple life because you know, my regular life is me as as a mom, as a wife, as a high school teacher, and then my second life is this crazy sex thing that I'm doing. And then my third life is that I'm a writer and now I'm publicizing it and I'm talking about it and I have social media about it. So there are very few people on the planet who know all three versions of me. You're not an English teacher by chance, are you? I I am an English teacher. Oh, that's badass. That's badass. (laughs) I always wondered uh, when I was in high school, because I had this one English teacher in my 12th grade year that was fucking phenomenal. Man, she um inspired me to write i actually was i've dropped out i've dropped out of college twice now um i was actually gonna go to college to be an english teacher um but i always wondered like what do english teachers write about and you have just successfully answered that (laughs) yeah (laughs) we look like we're all cats and and uh flower gardens and shit but yeah most of us are you know nasty disgusting perverts you didn't hear that from me (laughs) (laughs) That is awesome. So <clears throat> how long ago did you start writing? Uh, or, I'm sorry. Well, no, yeah, let's do that. How long ago did you first start writing the original Tinderella diary? I started writing it about two years ago at the end of um, summer of 2019. And the crazy thing about the entire series is it goes through it's, it's, it's real time. So the first book is the course of a summer. So it's, you know, I'm a teacher and it's me just living my life over the summer. This is going to be my, my fun, wild, crazy, hot girl summer, which, which that's what it was two years ago. And I thought, okay, this is going to be over. I'm going to go back to my normal life. Then it became very apparent. There's no way I'm going back to my normal life. This is my life now. And, and at first it was just random casual hookups, but then it became a little bit deeper. And that's the second book. The subtitle is called Tinderella Diary Volume 2, Going Deeper, because I start exploring some naughtier things, some sex clubs and parties and orgies and just, you know, fun stuff. So um, what happened, though, is that the second book takes place in about a six month period following that summer. And what's happening at the end of the second book is we're starting to get into COVID times. And there's a little bit of foreshadowing that that COVID is about to happen and, and you can see things on the news and, you know, some guy says, oh, yeah, I'll see you in three weeks. And then, you know, he never comes back in three weeks because everything's shut down. The third book, which I'm almost finished writing, it takes place entirely during COVID and it's a year long. So it's a longer book than the first book. Uh, definitely longer than the second book, but it's a longer period of time. And of course, me as the character, I've been involved in this lifestyle for about, you know, nine months going into the third book. So by that time, I've got friends and regulars and what I call a deep bench of regulars, people that I could call on. So, So the party is shut down as soon as COVID started, but the fun didn't. So the whole idea of the third book is that this is, um, you know, real life. What did COVID take away from us? How did it make things harder? And everybody's got their their story of what they sacrificed during this time and even what we're still sacrificing now. 
Um, but this is my version of the story. And it really documents, I live in Los Angeles and, you know, things are, are still, you know, kind of shut down here. We just started school last week for the first time, you know, kids are in a classroom <laughs> in a year and a half. So there, there's a story here. You miss people that you can't see because of COVID everybody's stuck at home with their spouses and they can't sneak out and fuck. Um, one of my main character friends who's a DJ, um, that's also his cover for going out and fucking other women. So not only did he lose his um, source of income as a DJ, he also lost his source of side pussies. So, you know, it's hit all, all of us very hard. Um, I have a, a bit of a two-parter. Um, yeah. <laughs> so the, I'm imagining the third book, there's going to be probably a little bit more um, romanticism involved, right? Because a lot of these, a lot of these relationships are now taking place. Um, I guess in like a more passionate, like intimate setting due to COVID, correct? Yes. I, I would say there's some, there's more romanticism in the, in the third book. And I do want to be very clear that my books, even though it's called Tinderella diary, there's, this is not a princess story. It's not a fairy tale. So <laughs> Um, everything that comes out in the book is completely true. Um, you know, I, I don't know if in, in real life, I don't, I believe in happy endings. I believe in reality telling it like it is, you know, that fairy tale wedding is not anybody's happily ever after. That's just the beginning of whatever the fuck is going to happen next. So yeah, the, the, it does become, um, a little bit more romantic, more intimate. There's more, um, you know, longer, you've known people longer. So things are more emotional. Um, there's longing involved when you can't see someone. Um, there are different people at different times that come in and out of my life for whatever reason. There's love triangles. There's my husband and my lover and my, this guy I'm seeing in another part of the country. There's, there's many different factors that come into play. Whereas the first book is I met this guy and we fucked. I met this guy and we fucked. I met this guy and we fucked. But that's where she, where she had to go to get to the next level. So the second level was the crazy wild parties and the threesomes and the orgies and all these things. And the third one is like, well, that's gone. So how are you going to how are you going to have your fun? And of course her idea of fun changes too. So, you know, this is it was me as a as a, a married woman. I I was married um, to my high school sweetheart for over two decades. And I hadn't experienced any of these things with him. So the first book was just my, my origin story of how I decided to, to do all these things and how repressed that I was feeling in my marriage. And then the second book is just balls to the wall, <laughs> no holds barred. Um, you were saying about COVID times, uh, yeah. Is it, are we pushing the limits if I ask what grade level you teach? I teach high school. It's yeah, yeah. it's in the book. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, you know what's what's so crazy to me is during COVID times. Um, I'm thinking I'm thinking long term, and I'm a huge English nerd. I I love I love reading. Um, some of my favorite books, right? To Kill a Mockingbird. Oh, yeah. um, the boy in the striped pajamas. These are all dated novels set in like mm -hmm. a, uh, a time period. Right. What's so crazy to me is that we are currently writing novels or we're writing films or TV shows that are based in this um, time period. And so I'm looking now 10 years, 20 years from now, um, 
people are going to be chronalizing or uh, they're going to be capturing these moments, right? These Absolutely. Masks yeah. in the grocery stores. There's going to be a lot of children, <clears throat> a lot of teenagers, young adults, whatever. They're going to see TV shows or they're going to read books about people wearing masks in grocery stores. They're, gonna, they're not going to know what the fuck is going on. That's what's so yeah, appealing to me. You know what? Maybe they are like, you know, maybe in the future, we're not going to remember a world where, where you didn't wear masks. And I'm doing this thing where I'm watching a movie or a, or a TV show. And it's like, oh, they're in a restaurant. We're not allowed to be in restaurants or, oh, where are their masks? Or, they're not socially distancing. And not that I'm policing them, but I'm thinking that, you know, what we're seeing on TV and in the movies right now isn't quite mirroring what, what is happening in our world. So there's a, a disconnect when you see people going to the gym and going to bars and shit that we, we haven't even, you know, these things just opened up here in California, like in April. <laughs> so, you know, we haven't been, we weren't able to do those things for over a year. So it is interesting that, yeah, you, you know, maybe we'll live in a world where we have to explain to kids. Yeah. We used to wear masks, but maybe we'll live in a world where it's like, Oh, we did. You didn't wear a mask. That's crazy. I can't even imagine what life would be like. So, you know, we don't know what our future is going to hold is all I know is that my third book is a chronicle. It's a, it's a time capsule to what I lived through. I remember, for example, the, the first day that I wore a mask, um, I didn't wear a mask until the uh, mayor decided they made it a, a citywide ordinance that we had to wear them inside stores and things like that. So I remember the first time I went into a grocery store wearing a mask and it was very emotional for me. Um, and obviously people are still having emotional reactions, you know, different depending on what part of the country you're in. Um, you know, I'm standing in front of classrooms now and we're wearing masks. The students are wearing masks. It, it's a different world, but um, yeah. It's so, it's so crazy. It's just so crazy to think that we're literally living uh, a piece of time that will more than definitely be uh, depicted like later on down the line. You know, you like, you understand what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, like, It certainly will. I mean, I keep thinking a lot of great pieces of literature, you know, written after, after during or after tumultuous times. So I'm thinking about, um, Oh gosh, just um, Lord of the flies was written after Absolutely. world war two, you know, um, a yep. lot of Steinbeck's books and Hemingway's books were written after World War II. So these people went off to war and they saw all these horrible, devastating things. And then they came back and wrote about it. So part of it is that, is that we're living through it. And then the other part is how do we come out on the other side? What do we learn from it, if anything? I tell you, I've not told this story uh, on the podcast two years ago. Uh, my birthday is February the 4th. So um, at the time I was living in Florida, um, and I remember every year my parents take me to the same restaurant and I love it, uh, for my birthday. And so we're out and it's, it's, you know, me, my stepdad, my mom, I think my aunt was in town. Um, my ex-wife, my daughter. And as we're sitting there, um, my phone went off. This was on, let's say February the 5th, uh, February the 6th or something. Uh, and my phone goes off and it's, it's a buddy of mine. He lives in, uh, at the time he was living in Arkansas. He was like, Hey man, have you heard about this coronavirus shit? And I was like, no, nah, we only drink Modelo around here. Like, you know what I mean? Like I, I had no, I had no fucking idea what he was talking about. And then not even a month later. Yeah. The streets are empty. The, the restaurants are empty. The bars are empty. It's, it's so, so fucking crazy. Just how sudden it happened. And 
And oh, now yeah. I can I can tell you your third installment of the Tinderella Diaries is now essentially a time capsule. It is. And the second book, too, is a, a lot like what you mentioned. So February, uh, the weekend of, of that weekend in February last year, that was Valentine's Day and ended with President's Day. Um, I was in Seattle and I, I wrote a chapter of the crazy fucking things that I did in Seattle. But at the time, there was a scene with the with the with the Uber driver and he, he was afraid to pick up uh, two girls in a, in a cab because they were Asian. And, you know, at the time we didn't know what was going on. And I'm like, they're from San Diego. Like they're not, <laughs> they're not bringing any coronavirus, but it is interesting. And, and, and this was early. So it was mid February. Um, nobody was really taking it serious yet here in this country. But at the time, you know, Seattle turned out to be a hotbed for COVID right in the beginning. And, and I was there, I had just missed it. And then, like you said, a month later, everything was shut down. So was that was a year so- ago or two years ago? I'm sorry. It's a year, a year and a half ago. Oh shit! Okay, well, I was. I yeah. said two years ago. My bad. Yeah, twenty twenty twenty. Fuck! It's felt like fucking forever. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> you know, I feel like we lost a whole year and a half. We think, oh yeah, that was yet last year. Well, it couldn't have been last year. It had to be before COVID. So that means it was at least two or three years ago. Yes, yeah, so our our the way our, our brains reframe time is really going to change we're <laughs> gonna have really a, we're gonna have a um like a pre-coronavirus and a, and a post-coronavirus of some sort now when we, date, when we, date will, yeah. we don't know what our new normal is going to be because i don't think we're quite there yet but we're definitely going to remember what it was like to go into it and i mean we're doing this in and out in and out thing <laughs> i'm ready to just fucking open it back up i say legalize yeah. marijuana in all 50 states and we just fucking just go on about our about our times you know yeah, you know, I think Darwinism needs to um, take effect at some point. <laughs> I made the comment the other day that Darwinism was in full effect uh, when I seen, <laughs> I seen, have you seen the videos of the, the kids standing on the milk crates? <laughs> no. They, they stack up a bunch of milk crates really high in like a pyramid. And then they climb up and somebody stands on the very top. And I guess the whole goal is to walk all the way around in like a complete square around the top one. Oh my God. Um, and I, I sent it to my buddy and I was like, this is Darwinism playing out right in front of our fucking eyes. This is, <laughs> it's crazy. Um, it's crazy. Back to the book though. Yeah. When, when are we getting on Netflix? Oh, I hope so. I, I, I think part, part of the um, thing that I envisioned when I thought about writing the book, I thought this needs to be a series um, I thought about each episode being a different encounter with a different person or maybe a couple of encounters based on, you know, some of them are short and some of them were longer um, and they're different. Sometimes you meet somebody and there's chemistry and there's an attraction and you fuck for hours and you can't stop thinking about the next time you see that person. And then other times it's just, oh, this was awkward or that was weird or why is he handing me my shoes? I'm not done yet. <laughs> uh, you know, there's so many different um, roads that could take when you're experimenting sexually with people that you, that you don't know. Um, no, yeah. uh, I don't mean to, to, to redirect your, did you self-publish or are you with a, a publishing agent? I'm self-published. I was kind of um, trying to decide which direction that I was going to go. And I think ultimately I decided to self-publish because of the time factor. So when I was finished with the first book and I knew at that point that this was going to be a trilogy, 
Uh, and I, I, I was already starting to write the second book and I was already envisioning what the third book was going to be about. I figured I need to get this out now because I'm writing about COVID. I'm writing about going into COVID and what that felt like. Yeah. Um, I just need to move quick. So I didn't have time to, to shop around for an agent, um, or to shop around for somebody to publish it. But I, I do hope that someday somebody picks it up or somebody sees it. And I, I also think that when I'm done with the trilogy, I've got some work to do on the first book, just some editing and proofreading things that I need to work on. But I also might see if I can get somebody to write a screenplay or write a screenplay myself, but I, it's very episodic in nature. So I do see it being, it could be a film series, but I really see it being a show and it could go forever, you know, different characters, different directions, entanglements, pseudo relationships. It, it, yeah. Sky's the limit. I will say that um, when I first started writing, I first wrote my very first story. Um, shit probably five years ago now. And, um, I held it near and dear. I didn't know, you know, I was really nervous. I, I was like, eh, I don't know if I want to show anybody. Um, and I showed my brother and he absolutely loved it. He was like, you should, you know, you should try to publish this. So I, I ended up moving, uh, in the process and I, I busted the laptop that it was, uh, stored on. I didn't realize it was stored to Google drive. So for, the next uh, like year and a half until I realized that I could search on Google drive, I went without the story. And in the meantime, I wrote, you know, other things and, and fell in love with a lot of the stuff that I was writing. Um, and then about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, I landed on the novel that I'm on now. <clears throat> and I had one person on Instagram um, that was a, a literary agent and I messaged her and I said, Hey, I said, feel free to not reply. I was like, I just have a couple little snippets here I'd like to share with you and just, you know, let me get your thoughts. And I guess she was feeling exceptionally generous that day. And she read it and she sent it back to me. And she said, this is really good, Josh, but we would have to clean up this language a lot. And that's when I was like, you know what? I'm going to fucking self-publish at least the first one uh, because I don't want anybody to fucking tell me what to say or what to do. Yeah. Or I don't want anybody to like censor me. I want to write exactly how I'm feeling and not have yeah. to, to worry about censoring myself or, or can't say this, can't say that. Um, so I applaud you for doing the self-publishing method because it is a lot of work, but it's also so much more rewarding. Yeah. It was just for me, it was a matter of expedience. I wanted to get it out there. Um, I, I, I definitely had editors and, and proofreaders uh, helping me through that process. And I just heard from, from beta readers that it was good and it was interesting and people enjoyed it. And even my editors were enjoying reading it. They were turned on reading it. And that, that's the point. I mean, there's a story, um, there's an evolution uh, specifically of me as the main character in, in, in my journey and what I want and what I like and, and, and how that changes and evolves. But it, it's also erotica and it's, it's, a meant, it's meant to, to titillate first and foremost. And then, you know, if a story happens, great. And this, the story did happen. And I was kind of pleased with, with the way everything worked out, even from the beginning to the end of the first book and then continuing through the series. It just makes sense as the character grows. These are the things that, that happens. So, um, yeah. <laughs> you said you said you had beta readers. Did you, was there anybody uh, like close to you, like a sibling or, or best friend or whatever? Did you let anybody read 
like mm-hmm. the initial concept or no? It stayed nobody, pretty. Nobody close to me, no, but I did meet people um, anonymously online. Um, I, I met a man who's a, a, a screenwriter and he he said he would look it over for me and he gave me some helpful feedback and, and said that he enjoyed it. Uh, and when I wrote the the second manuscript, he he took a look at that one and he went, wow, this is really, this is really something. So he's, he's going to be the first one that's um, when I'm, when I'm finished with the third manuscript, he's going to be the first one to read it. And I also, he's a character in the third book because the series is meta. So I started writing the, the book when, when I was living it. And then I started writing the second book while I was promoting the first book and living the third book. So when I'm writing the third book, there are people who were reading the first book that, that met me either, you know, virtually or in real life that became characters. So it's crazy how um, I'm actually writing about writing in, in the third book and, you know, what it was like to publish. And I just wrote a chapter today about, um, you know, meeting somebody for the first time in my author persona which, which is crazy and and how using social media for me completely changed from you know me meeting people on tinder and and other sites to now i'm using it to to sell books and how how that's changed how i interact with people um what is your writing process like like you you were, you were just saying a minute ago you were writing a chapter the other day and, and so do you sit down and force yourself to write things so you don't forget, or do you just kind of let it come to you? And and then I, I have to do that journaling so I don't forget. And I even wish that I did journaling quicker, like every night. And I don't do that. Sometimes it takes two or three weeks for me to, to do the journaling, but it helps because uh, when I was writing the second book, I was about a year behind um, most of what I was writing. So I had to go back and re- and remember what it felt like to be in that situation. And now um, I'm writing about events that happened at the end of, of 2020. And I'm a completely, I mean, I'm in a, I'm a completely different person that I was from the beginning of the series, no doubt, but my life is completely different from what it was, you know, eight months ago, or I don't know. Yeah. Eight months ago, whenever the end of last year was. So I have to put myself in, in that, in that frame of mind, and, you know, each book is a different version uh, of me as the narrator. So in the first book, I'm um, kind of naive sexually and feeling stuck in my marriage and I'm looking for an outlet and I don't really know a lot about what I'm looking for or what I want, what I like and what I don't like. I even have trouble in the first book describing things sexually because I don't really know my, my body very well. And then everything changes as I, as I go through and all of a sudden I'm an expert and I'm giving other people advice and I'm, 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 I have fans, you know, men that will tell me their stories. Oh, I fucked this girl last night. It's been two years since I got laid and I finally got laid and thanks to you, you know? (laughs) So it's really interesting having, having that kind of growth from somebody who's basically sheltered and and locked in a, a very vanilla monogamous marriage to somebody that was likes to hang off the chandeliers at, at parties naked and (laughs) do all kinds of crazy things. What has your personal growth been like throughout this whole 
um, like this whole endeavor, like <clears throat> these you were, you were saying earlier about how you, you kind of have to balance it between three different lives. Yeah. Um, so I'm imagining some of the personal growth you're making in life B couldn't carry into life A or vice versa. Does that, does that make sense how I'm wording that? It, it totally makes sense. I, I can't go into my, into my work and, and tell my, I don't even want to say students. I don't want to go that direction, but I can't even tell my colleagues, Hey, I just sold 50 books last night because I don't want them to read it. You know, it, it's a little bit, it exposes, it, it doesn't expose anything about the the teaching profession other than I stick to adults and I'm proud of it. But, um, it, I, I am a teacher. It's what I do for a living. And we tend to keep these things secret. You know, what, what our sexual propensities are. And I kind of wish that we as a society were just so much more free about sexuality, like whatever you want, whatever you like, like, why do we hide this shit? Like you can wear a, you know, a, a Lakers jersey and a Dodgers hat that says what team you like, but if you're poly or if you like threesomes or if you are in a um, some kind of weird thruple thing or whatever, or you like to swing with the neighbors, like, who fucking cares? Like, why, why, do, why are we hiding this shit? Or if you're gay or bisexual, or, or maybe you're not any of those things, you're straight, but you like to suck dick every once in a while. Like, who cares? Like, why do we make these things so taboo? And, and we make such a big deal out of something that is so natural, which is sex and something that is so healthy, which is sex. And why do we have to be ashamed of it? Why does a woman who enjoys sex have to be worried about being slut shame? Like it, it's 2021 it feels good. We like it. Like, why are we still pretending that we don't? And why do I have to hear from, from these married men that I'm constantly hearing from that their wives won't fuck them, their wives won't fuck them, their wives won't fuck them. Is it the wives problem or is it something that, that, that they're doing? Or is there something wrong with monogamy? Like there's so many questions. We need to talk about sex more as a society. One of the first thing that I said was sex sells, but why, you know, it's, why do we like the things that we like and why are these taboo stories selling huge right now? Um, you know, what's going on? Why are people so repressed that they have these boring vanilla sex lives and they're reading books about, you know, priests, fucking nuns and, you know, like, I will say I can, I can relate to you quite a bit on this topic because um five let's see i'm 26 now so i'm gonna say about six years ago i embarked on a journey to become a mixed martial artist to become a cage ah, fighter yes um you were saying a minute ago why people judge or why people uh, look at things differently it's you tend to judge things or or make things taboo that you don't fully understand so i remember when mm-hmm. i first started fighting um i was working a warehouse job I was a supervisor i would come in with like black eyes or bruises and people be like, JT, why are you doing that, man? That's that's just brutal. Those guys are idiots. Some of the smartest people I've met in my life, some of the smartest, wisest people I've met in my life are cage fighters or mixed martial artists or Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioners or Muay Thai mm-hmm. fighters or, or whatever. It's a stereotype mm-hmm. that gets plugged onto something when somebody doesn't quite understand it. So I think I think that I think that's a majority of why sex is so taboo is because if it doesn't fit someone else's narrative it kind of you know if, if someone doesn't understand it then they automatic oh that's bad oh that's bad uh the same way like like you can, you can you can equate it to food too if you're eating squid 
And I say, um, let's say if you're eating squid and, and, and I look at it and it, it, it doesn't look right to me. Like it doesn't look good to me. Um, I'm like repulsed by it. Right. I don't understand how good it potentially is. So I'm just going to automatically say, Oh no, that's garbage. You, you like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. We do oh, that so easily. I think we in general, I don't even know if it's as a society or, or because we're human beings, we tend to fear things that we don't understand. You know, if, if we, if we don't live next door to a gay couple, we don't understand why it's okay that gay people can adopt. Or if we don't have, you know, friends who are Muslims or people who speak different languages or, you know, if we don't understand other people's lifestyles, we, we fear it. And I think that's pretty much the same in, in every, every aspect of, of life, the things that we don't know, we, we fear or question. I think maybe questioning would be a healthier response than just to shun something. But I don't know, even for me personally, there are things that I'm not too interested in sexually, but for the most part, like as long as it's consensual and nobody's getting hurt and nobody's, you know, you know, it, it doesn't bother me, even if it's not something that, that flies with me. Um, I wish that people were just more tolerant of other people's viewpoints, even if they didn't agree. I, uh, I, I seen this thing. I can't remember who said it. Um, but they said that they live their life by this five minute rule that if something can't be changed or fixed within five minutes, that they're not going to comment on it, uh, due to how it can affect other people. <clears throat> so let's say you have a tattoo, uh, and it's absolutely terrible. That can't be fixed in five minutes. And, I uh, can't be changed in five minutes. So I'm not going to comment on that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I, I love that. I can't, and I wish I could remember, I, I wish I could remember who said it because um, I definitely love to give, give credit on that, but that's how I live. If, if something can't be fixed in five minutes or, or changed in five minutes to, to better accommodate a group um, I'm just not going to comment on it because a, um, communication is key, but it's also so divisive because of the way we use communication. Yeah. Um, so I just, you know, I don't like being part of it. I'm, I'm into politics and like, honestly, low key and kind of running for city council or mayor. Um, I'm trying to get rid of every fucking roundabout from Ann Arbor to South Lyon in Michigan, by the way. So any of my listeners, you guys need to vote for me. I'm getting rid of these fucking roundabouts. We're getting four-way stops. I don't care how much fucking money it costs the state of Michigan either. They can suck my dick. Uh, I hate roundabouts. (laughs) Thank you. Hell yeah. I'm in California. We don't have any roundabouts except for in really weird neighborhoods. But when I'm ever, when I'm in other states or other places that have them, like these are stupid. I keep going the the wrong one. Yeah. I'm with you on that. You have my vote, but let me, let me tell you fun fact. I went around the same roundabout three times on Friday. Couldn't figure out where the fuck I was going. Um, yeah, that was the old gag from a European vacation when they're in um, they're in London and they're circling around Big Ben Parliament and they keep going around and around because they can't uh, merge off of the roundabout. You gotta love, go see that if you haven't. <laughs> I, lo- I love those movies. That's what I was about to say. I love those movies. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm very politically involved, but very rarely will I give my opinion on something because. I just don't give a fuck. You know what I mean? Like if it's not directly affecting me, it's not hurting me and my family and and my friends or my way of life. I just, you know, I'll just keep my mouth shut. I mean, I will do, 
I will do what's right. Um, and I will stick by my beliefs, but I don't need to be another guy on the internet just shouting out what I believe. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> there's too many, there's too many uninformed people just shouting out what they believe all over the internet. I don't want to be one of those guys. That's the truth. <laughs> um, this has been very incredible speaking with you. I don't want to keep you all night. Um, before I let you go, is there anywhere? Um, I'm sorry. Is there anything that you want to tell people? I want to tell people to come and chat with me on my social media, um, which I'll give in just a second. Um, check out the book, at least read the first one. It's, it's not a long book. You can read it in a day or two. If you're, if you're not busy, I mean, you might have to stop a few times to rub one out, but, um, yeah, my, um, Instagram is, um, Tinderella diary. All one word, of course. Uh, you can find me on there. You can also find me on Facebook um, as Alexia Knight or at Tinderella Diary on Facebook. I also have uh, a Twitter, and that's the only one where I'm not Tinderella Diary because somebody took it. So if you're looking for me on Twitter, which is a lot of fun, it's Tinderella followed by five underscore one, two, three, four, five underscore after. Um, the word Tinderella, or you can just search for Alexia Knight. There's also a porn star named Alexia Knight. That is not me, but I hope that eventually I'll be more famous than her. And <laughs> if you search my name, I'll come up as the author and not the the other Alexia Knight, who's the porn star. <laughs> Those bastards, man. We got to get them for copyright infringement. Well, you know, everybody's got a name and sometimes they're, they're in common. But I mean, she makes money filming herself having sex and I film myself having sex just for fun. So who's the idiot now? Oh, I guess it's me. Cause she's making money and I'm not, but whatever. You know, fun fact, there's another takedown podcast. Uh, it's like the hot takedown or some shit. I think it's about soccer or some dumb yeah. shit, but um, regardless, I'm probably going to kick those guys asses if they don't change their name. Cause they're really fucking it up for me over here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's also another Josh Thomas that hosts a, a fucking podcast too. So I'm going to have to kick his ass while I'm at it. Um, <laughs> guys, we are the second episode back after a nice little hiatus, nice little mental break there. Uh, buy our fucking merch. It's the very first link in the link tree. Um, we got some pretty cool shit, man. We got some hoodies that are discounted all the way down to like 30 bucks. We got some pretty sweet ass t-shirts. We also have the bad dads collection on there, which is the, um athletic line that we launched my brother and i because you know just having like three fucking jobs wasn't enough for us now we need to do some merch too anyways go buy the stupid shit uh find us on apple find us on spotify the weekly forecast everywhere podcasts are sold uh in the link tree you can find the eyes plus words excerpt to find a little piece of my poetry my book is coming out next month go buy phone soap use the code takedown at checkout you get 10 percent off your order maybe it's 20 percent. i can't really remember uh, Kaloa Surf Gear, use the code forecast for 10% off. Go buy some new Adidas, get some CBD, buy some new boxing gloves, and read a couple of articles that I've done at the link tree. Or don't, I don't give a fuck. You guys kind of suck lately, uh, listener wise. I'm just calling you guys out. Alexia Knight, this has been an absolute honor having you, and I really appreciate you. Thank you so much.